Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. And welcome to the Adoption Chronicles. This is the podcast where we talk about uh, all things adoption and hear stories from the adopted children, adopted parents, and birth parents as well. In fact, we cover all things adoption. And if you have adoption as part of your story, uh, we would love to hear from you uh, for you to tell us all about your story. And today, we're talking with Annette Pullman. Welcome to the show, Annette. Hi, Mick. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. So what your story has uh, a, a few different uh, starting points, I guess. And uh, <laughs> so where would you like to start? I guess I'll start at the beginning. Yep. And in some respects, I'll start before I was born mm. with, with mum and dad, my yep. adoptive parents. And um, they lived in a little country town in regional New South Wales and they had, they married quite young. They had a son and then they tried numerous times because mum desperately wanted two little girls. Right. So, and mum had a number of miscarriages and couldn't, couldn't um, have, a, have another baby. Right. So when my brother was 10, mum and dad uh, picked me up in 1967 um, from Crown Street Hospital in Sydney. Right. Yeah, so I was born in April 67, had a, a, a lovely upbringing with um, my big brother and my little sister. She was also adopted. She came okay. along two years after me. Yep. Um, and actually in between there, there was another baby mum and dad picked up, another little girl. But uh, at the 30-day at the mark, um, she was um, her birth mother, oh, took her back. Wow. So... That, yeah, that would that have was, been that heartbreaking. Was, 
that was really tough for, for mum. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I was too little to, to remember her. Yep. But uh, when she was taken back, I think mum and dad were put on the top of the list for the next little girl that came yeah. along. And that was my little sister. Right. So we always knew we were adopted. Um, I don't really remember ever being told. I think mm-hmm. um, I think it was just a natural part of our upbringing. Yep. Um, I'd always been brought up with a very positive attitude to my birth mother. Um, I think I I knew her. I knew that she was a nurse. Okay. And and she had named me Alison. Right. And that was as much as I knew, except that Mum and Dad decided they pondered about the idea of keeping Alison as mm-hmm. my name, but they were in love with Annette Funicello from the Mickey Mouse Club, so ah, I got Annette instead. Right. Okay. <laughs> so I had a great upbringing in, in Tari um, and, you know, a really happy family life. I kind of felt in a way that I was special because I was adopted. I yes. used to used – to, I never felt bad about it at all, had a positive attitude towards my birth mother because mum and dad said, look, she must have loved you so very much to have to give you up. Yeah. And there, and she wanted a better life for you and there was no single parent pension or anything like that in 67. Yeah. Because Goff didn't bring that along till 62, uh, 72 or 73, something like that. And all throughout those years, I used to wonder about my birth mother. Yes. You know, I used to, I, I was tall, I'm tall with red hair. My parents were nothing like that. Yep. I used to wonder who I looked like. Um, did I have a personality that might have been, you know, similar to somebody else's? Did I have siblings? You know, all of that. Yeah. And I can, and you can, as, a, as an adopter yourself, you can relate to that, I'm of sure. Of course, absolutely. And then I remember on my 21st, at the end of my 21st birthday, I remember Dad had gone to bed and Mum and I were sitting out here and I got quite teary and I said, I wonder if my birth mother remembers me today, <sighs> remembers that I was 21, I'm 21 today. Yeah. Um, That's it a, was just um, one of yeah, those. Yeah, a good question. Yeah, it was just one of those milestone birthdays, and I yeah. just thought, you know, is she thinking of me today? So that was around my twenty-first, um, and then a couple of years later, in nineteen ninety-one, yep. the New South Wales laws changed. Yes, to, to, to say that you could have access to your original birth certificate. Yes, and that would have been a big moment, I guess, in your decision-making process? It was. Um, and mum and dad had always said to me, if you ever want to go looking for your, your birth mother, yep. we will support you 100% of the way. Cool. So I felt that I had all the support networks around me um, and the post-adoption resource centre, PARC, was yeah. set up by the New South Wales government and it was sort of under the auspices of the Benevolent Society. Right. And they were set up to help adoptees find birth parents and birth parents to find their children. So I was coming up to 25 years old when those laws changed and I sat back and waited for 12 months because I thought, if she wants to know where I am, my birth mother will come looking for me. I think for me that was a big big moment because I remember when the laws changed as well and that, that to me was a question that I asked myself. Well, if they are looking, they'll find me. And I ended yeah. up deciding not to look. But um, how did that play out for you? Well, I sat back and waited for 12 months. And then I, I was in a, a bookshop in Balmain, of all places, because I was okay. living in Sydney by yep. then. Yep. 
and I saw this book called Looking for Lisa, and I can't remember the name of the author. I think Libby Harkness or something like that. Anyway, this book was called Looking for Lisa, and it was all stories from birth mothers. Right. And and what happened to them, and you know, pillows shoved in front of faces so they couldn't see their baby being born, and wow. and how, and how they never forget their children. Yeah. For the most part, <clears throat> I know not all cases have a happy ending, and yep. I, I hope this doesn't trigger anything bad for people. But but I read that book, and I just thought, you know what? Maybe she wants to know, but she's too afraid to track me down. Mm. You know, she might think she's got no rights to me anymore, mm-hmm. which is which is pretty much what they were told. Have your baby, go away and forget about us. Yeah. Forget about it. Yep. So I read that book and it was a real um, turning point for me. Yep. So I thought, right, I'm going to use PARC, the Post-Adoption Resource Centre, and I'm going to try to find my birth mother for two reasons. One, to find out who I look like. Yep. And... And if nothing else, let her know that I'm alive and well and I had a happy, safe, loving upbringing. Yes. So it, the search took about, I think it was about five or six months. There was no internet back then. No. I got hold of my adoption records and some social worker notes and that was really surreal to, to, to look at sort of the notes of my yeah. birth mother being interviewed by the social worker and some of the circumstances around her pregnancy. Okay. So did, um, did anything come to light that was... Of interest? Just that it, it said something like she thought she was engaged to prospective birth father and then found out he was married. Mm. Uh, didn't say much else. It was only a couple of lines. Right. It described her height and she was reasonably tall for that time of, you know, that time of, um, you know, in the, in the 60s. Yep. Um, and that she had blonde hair and so some physical descriptions, the fact that she was a nurse, which I did know, but it confirmed it at least. Okay, yep. So just a few little things in those little social worker notes. Yep. Um, and then I applied for my original birth certificate, and that's that's the one that had um, Alison as my name, and it had her name, right. my birth mother's name, which was Carol. And right. I thought, wow, this is exciting. Yeah, She's yeah. got a name now. Yes. And she was Carol Smith, and I thought, oh, my God, how do I find a Carol Smith? Yeah. You know, there's a trillion, zillion, billion yeah. Smiths in, the, in uh-huh. the phone book or whatever. <laughs> so I followed all the the suggested search processes for um, that the Post-Adoption Resource Centre recommended and I then did a search for a marriage certificate and I just managed, I found her, I found her marriage certificate, right. which then gave me her married name. That's handy. And then, and yeah, that was very handy. And then I found her on the electoral roll and, um, and so then I actually had a name and an address. Wow. So what were you thinking when you've got that in front of you? You've got the name and the address, and then well, what do you do? Yeah, I, I went back to my little my social worker through Park. Mm-hmm. Her name was Maggie, <clears throat> uh, and she helped me. She then wrote a letter right. to Carol, and it was on the Benevolent Society letterhead, and it basically said, we are writing to you about a, a special purse, a special event that happened in April 1967. Right. Uh, it was very non-identifying. Yes. So that if her family opened up that letter, yeah. then they would not necessarily know what it was about. Yep. And as it happens, when Carol got home from work and that letter was there, her husband said to her, oh, there's some fundraiser letter there for you from the Benevolent yeah, right. Society. I'm sure they're asking for money. Mm-hmm. She opened it up 
and she just said straight away, I knew, I knew it was I knew it was Annette, or in her mind, Alison. Yes. So she went off to the shops, and this is a bit of her story, really. Mm-hmm. She went off to the shops to buy to buy milk just so she could take the letter with her and read it and read it and read it. And two hours later, she got home, and her husband said to her, it took two hours to buy a carton of milk. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that letter gave her a point of contact to the Post Adoption Resource Centre. So Yes. So she then, the next morning, I mean, Park said to me, don't expect to hear from your birth mother. It could take months. Right. She might need months to process the news. Yep. Um, she, you, we might never hear from her. Mm. Well, she rang them the very next morning. Wow. Yep. So from that, I sent a letter and she sent a letter. So we had a couple of weeks of exchanging letters via snail mail. Yep. No, no email back then. No. Um, and then eventually we met at... Probably, I'd probably been talking to. I had, we had a phone call or two as well. Yes. Uh, we met after about two weeks. Right. Which was, which was pretty quick. Yeah, really. that's pretty quick. So, with that, how one of the most publicised moments in public adoption stories is that moment of meeting. Mm. How was that? Was that a big emotional release, or how did that? Go oh my down? god! Yep, yep. It's it was like nothing. I remember saying to a friend, "It's like nothing you can ever explain." No. You can try to explain it to people, um, but it's really, really difficult. I mean, we – so the, my um, boyfriend at the time, he drove me to Newcastle. She lived in Maitland. Right. Just near Maitland. So, And I was in Sydney. So yep. we hopped off down the highway and we met, we met Carol and her husband, Ken. Oh, look, emotional hugs, tears, extremely intense. I, I was looking at similarities. Yeah. I was looking for similarities um, and I saw that – my grandfather, her father, and her twin siblings all had red hair. Right. I was looking for sort of similarities in mannerisms, and I could also tell like the shape of our faces are similar. Like I've got right. a bit of a prominent, prominent jaw and lower face, and she has too. And yep. So lots of it was a very big day. I took baby photos along, which again, in hindsight, was probably a bit too much for her to absorb. Yeah. Uh, we didn't discuss anything really about the circumstances of my. Her falling pregnant at that point yep. um, was just all about us absorbing each other. And I can remember the night before, I was excited, but I was bloody nervous. Mm. And I didn't know what to wear. I, right. I I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat breakfast. I was too churned up. I was so, so nervous and so excited and yep. every, every emotion. Look, anybody who's done this reunion thing, I'm sure can relate yep. to that feeling. Yep. yep. So it was a very intense then few months. Oh, after that very first day, I went when I was driving home back to Sydney with 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 my friend at the time. I just think I cried the whole way. That that first separation was quite difficult. Right. You've okay. just reconnected. You've had a couple of hours. Yeah. You probably had two or three hours together. That was it. Yep. And then I I cried. I was very emotional going home that day. And I think she was too. She told me afterwards she just bawled all night. Yeah, okay. And sort of from that then, um, I also met aunts and uncles and cousins and I can remember going, I remember it was extremely overwhelming the first time I walked into a a family barbecue with her siblings and their children. Yep. And Carol, by the way, didn't have any other children. I was it. Right. So no brothers, half-brothers or sisters or or anything like that? Just cousins and... Aunties and uncles, eh? Yeah. Yep. Right. Yep. So in some respects that made it easier yep. for me 
because there was no jealousy or yeah. or anything like that. So yep. I was pretty lucky in that respect. Yep. It was very overwhelming to meet the rest of the family and you're realising, I mean, you're just meeting people for the first time in your life that you have a blood connection to. Yeah. And that's that's just a that's just an extremely special moment. And some adoptees live their whole life never meeting one single person that they actually have a blood connection to. Yeah. That's a fair point. Yeah. So and that was important to me to see where I'd come from. My identity was important to me, I think. Yes. Um so we then a couple of oh, probably a month or two later, you know, we had regular, we spoke, we chatted every day on the okay. phone. It was extremely intense. It was overwhelming. Yeah. Mum and dad were quite worried about me because I was obsessed. That's pretty much the only word you can say for it, say, right. say about it. Yep. And were they lengthy conversations or just catch up type things or? Oh, I can't really remember. I just know that we spoke every day. Sometimes they might have been five or 10 minutes. Yep. Sometimes they might have been longer. Right. I, I must have just just rung her every day for some reason. Again, no texting or mobile phones back no. then. It was all landline. Yeah. <laughs> I think I had massive phone bills. That's right, the first couple of years. <laughs> yep. Um, so we spoke a lot. And that real intense honeymoon period for me probably lasted a good six or eight months. Right. Um, and for her longer, probably more like right. 18 months. Okay. And then I started to get some normality and that – it was good to get some normality. And mum said to me, and I was quite worried about you, I really thought you were going to burn out. Yeah. Yep. Fair. I guess that's a decent observation. Yeah. they were. They, and they met Carol a few times, okay. so that was good. Yep. yep. They're good. And they shared some good stories. And um, I brought Carol up to the family farm to meet mum and dad you know, a couple of times. And, and Ke- Carol's husband, Ken, came along as well. And yep. everything went on. Everything was Went well, really. I mean, I couldn't really have asked for a better reunion. Yeah, yeah. As as intense as it as it was, um, I remember Dad saying to me once, though, you know, Annette, when we picked you up in 1967, because I, was, I think I was 19 days old. Right. Um, he, we were told these files would never be opened. Mm. So I think that there was as much as they said, "We'll support you 100% in your search." Yeah. I think they never really expected it to happen. And that's a fair point as well. And I guess when you go into any type of arrangement and there's guarantees by the government that there's a decent level of secrecy, 20 years later that all gets thrown out the window and yeah. it's um, a free-for-all basically. That's really what it was. Things can be quite daunting for some people in the certain circumstances. Yeah. I was very lucky that I had the parents that I had. Yeah, Because absolutely. they kind of let me run with it. Yep. But kept a, but kept a careful eye on me as well. Yeah. And I was very close to, to mum and dad. They're great. They were great parents and, you know, mum in particular. I mean, she's been gone now 14 years and I right. still think of her every day. Of course. So... We went through so, – so finally I got um, – I thought, right, I've known Carol now for I don't know, a month or so. Yep. Surely now I can ask her what happened. Mm. How did I get to be adopted? How did she get to be pregnant? What happened? Yes. So I brought her down to Sydney. I booked a really nice restaurant. Mm-hmm. I, plow, I plowed her with a few wines. So in public too? Yeah, yeah. Just nice. at a really nice restaurant. I'm sitting <laughs> under the, the Harbour Bridge yep. overlooking the Opera House. I thought I'm going to take her to a nice ritzy restaurant, give her a few wines, yep. just she and I, Yep. and I'm going to ask her what happened. Mm. 
Right. And she gave me a very short and sharp version. She basically said, look, I thought I was engaged to a widow, widower with a child, yep. with a son. We had a ring on lay-by and all sorts of stuff. As yep. far as I was concerned, I was engaged to him. And when I fell pregnant, I rang up to tell him and his wife answered the phone. Oh, ouch. Yeah, ouchy. Yeah. And to be honest, I didn't get much more than that. But she said to me, if you ever go looking for your birth father, take a shotgun. Right. Okay. And that was it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this, I, by, I guess by that type of comment, um, he might not have been told. Well, that's right. Exactly. He may not have been told. Mm. And I just thought, well, he's obviously an asshole. I don't want to have anything to do with him. Yeah. Um, I just took her took her word for it and, you know, um, so I just went on for the next 30 years with Carol in my life. Yeah. And, and mum and dad have both passed away and everything went along pretty well. I mean, the emotional... I think when you have a re adoption reunion, and I, I don't know whether this is official or not, but from what I read, there's usually one party that's a bit – it's not always a balanced relationship. No. There's usually one party that's a little bit more needy yep. than, than the other. Right. Yep. Um, and so, so I've had times with Carol over these 30 years where I have tried to pull back a bit yep. because she's just demanded more of me than I could give. Right. And I had nothing left in the tank. I actually wrote to her once. I needed a couple of months break. I was caught up with a really serious legal thing through work. Yep. And I just, there was a bunch of us involved in it and um, we were kind of the victims. Right. And I just needed to take a step back yeah. from Carol because she was just too, it was just too intense for me. Yeah. And it was probably after we'd been, I'd known her for two years. Right. So I wrote to her and said, I need a break just for a couple of months. I'm not dumping you. I just yeah, need yeah. a break while this other stuff gets sorted. Well, she just about had a breakdown over that. It was, yeah, right. in hindsight, I should have handled it way differently. I should have sat down and spoken to her rather than just writing her a letter. Um, yeah. I, I just needed to explain to her. I just needed some headspace. So there have been times where um, it's, you know, she's a bit, as I said, a bit needier of me and I have explained to her, even as recently as this Mother's Day, just gone, right. she was here. And I sat down and said, look, I feel like there are times where you just can't get enough and I can't, no, no amount of time is enough. Mm. And I just, it, I just can't always meet your expectations and I hate not meeting your expectations. Yeah, of course. So we've gone through little bits of ups and downs. Yep. But generally, and, generally and well, I guess she, most families do. Yeah, of course. And has she bought into that now? Um, I think she's trying to. She did yeah. say to me, I'm much better than I was. Right. Well, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she's trying to – I think she's trying to buy into it. But So I guess like any relationship, it's it's a good relationship. We've got a good bond, but it's not It's not perfect. Yeah, I mean, yeah. no, no relationship is, I no. suppose. Yeah. Um, fair enough. So thirty years on, that's been that's been our relationship. Yep. We 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 catch up every couple of months. We, we yep. you know send emails and texts and chat chat on the phone every every week or two. Um, you know, keeping in good good touch. And I'm, I am close to her family, and um, I get on really well with all of the, the, her siblings. They're terrific. 
Yep. And, and Carol, Carol came to my wedding and, you know, and nice. all her siblings came to my wedding. So I had cool. both my birth family and my adoptive family there at my wedding and all that sort of thing. Yeah, cool. So... The next part of my story, I suppose, is coming on to 30 years on or yep. 25 years on, getting close to 50. Yep. And all of a sudden, I started to think about health issues. Yes, of and course. It's a big I moment. Just, yeah, it is. You know, like at, at 25, when I was searching for her, I didn't even think about health mm. stuff, really. But, but at 50, I started to think, you know what? I've got DNA from somebody else here mm-hmm. in my makeup, and I want to know what, what, what's all of that means yeah. for me. Yep. What, what do I need to start to keep an eye on? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. So I'm getting closer to 50 about four, four years ago and I, I had had the name of my birth father from one of Carol's siblings. He'd told me 10 or so years earlier, oh, he was a musician and he was in right. a band. And, yes, yep. I remember he was her boyfriend at the time. And So he and wasn't was on the birth certificate? No, he wasn't. Right. Okay. My birth certificate had a dash for right. my father. Okay. Which, which birth mothers were allowed to do. They didn't have to name the father if they didn't want to back yes. then. Yep. So there's a dash there. So, but, but one of – and none of Carol's siblings knew I existed either, by the way. She hadn't told a soul. Oh, she really? She went off – yeah, she went off to Whale Beach. When she found out she was pregnant, the senior nurse at the hospital shipped her off to Sydney. Yeah. And she went to Whale Beach and she was the nanny for um, a husband and wife and, and two little girls that lived up at Whale Beach. Right. And she and that's why she ended up having giving birth to me in Crown Street Hospital. So her brothers and sisters didn't know about you until you came onto the scene then? Is that Correct. Right? Wow. Correct. At age 25, yeah. Wow, okay. And she hadn't told her husband either, by the way. wow, even more wow. (laughs) She'd told nobody. Yep. Oh, and and that's common too. She had told her mother. Her mother knew that she'd gone off to Sydney to have a baby, but they never spoke of it ever again. Yes. But her father didn't know, her siblings didn't know, her husband didn't know. Right, Okay. And that's her story. Maybe she Absolutely. needs to be on your podcast. <laughs> oh, she's more than welcome. <laughs> so, so, um, oh, where was I up to? Yeah, so I get to, so, Car- so Carol's, so I, I, I don't really have a birth father's name except from Carol, except I get this name from one of her siblings yep. who says, oh, yeah, I'm sure it was, I'm sure it was, you know, this, um, this, this bloke. Yep. And I kept Googling him every year or two or every few months. I'd Google him and I'd, he just wasn't coming up. And I thought, oh, that's, that's a bit weird. Anyway, um, and then I just happened to mention it to another one of her siblings. And ten years later, I, okay. I mentioned the name again to her, to this other sibling. And she said, no, you haven't got the name quite right. Oh. It's not quite right. You, you've, put an, you've put an A-Y at the end instead of an O-N at the end sort right. of thing. So I said, oh, oh, my goodness. Okay, so I've had the name wrong. So you've been on a 10-year wild goose chase. (laughs) I've been on a 10-year wild goose chase just Googling every so often, yep. Yep. And then I get the right name and I find him in about two minutes. Right. Yeah, 10 years. Yep. And I thought, oh, I've I've got to just follow this up. So I got – once I had the correct name um, and I didn't want to tell Carol because of that Mm – take a shotgun comment that mm-hmm. she gave me 30 years earlier. Mm-hmm. I thought, no, I'm not going to tell Carol because I think it's going to be too heartbreaking for her. I'm just going to yeah. do this little search on my own and see what I can find out. So 
via Google, I find him. I realised his wife had died. So right. I found her obituary and I thought, well, that's good because if he cheated on his wife, then yeah. she's not alive. I'm not going to upset her. Yeah. Yep. I saw I saw he had a couple of sons and um, I thought, oh, great, I've got some half-brothers out there and, yeah. you know, this is good. So I, I t- 30 years down the track, I um, approached Park again, yep. Post Adoption Resource Centre, and I used them to assist me a little bit with my draft letter. Right. So I wrote, I wrote to Ron and we started to correspond and we bonded. And he, he remembered Carol. The first thing he said to me was, is she still alive? Um, yeah, okay. Because bear in mind, this is 50-plus years ago. Yeah. He, yep. he remembers her and he said, yeah, we, we, I, I lived in Queensland. She was in Sydney. We used to hook up. You know, yep. I used to come down to Sydney and see her and pick her up from the hospital and blah, blah, blah. I used to write letters and she flew up to Brisbane, met my family, you know, all this. And yeah. it went on, that went on for a couple of years. Right. So, they've, so I'm thinking, you beauty, I have found the man. And right. he sounds lovely and we got on really well and on the phone and everything. And then he started to pull out old photos and stuff and he said to me, oh, Annette, don't get your hopes up. It might not be me. Right. And I said, of course it's you. I know <laughs> it's you. I've had your name for 10 years. <laughs> um, anyway, he said, look, let's do a DNA paternity test. Right. Yep. And I said, okay, let's do that. You know, but it's you, so I'm not too worried. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I d- we do the test and the results come in. And he said, how about, he said, when the results come in, how about I drive down from Brisbane to Taree yep. and I meet, meet you and we open the results together. And I said, oh, that sounds wonderful. Let's do that. Yeah. So he What could possibly down. go wrong? Yeah, what could possibly go <laughs> wrong? <laughs> You're seeing where this is leading. And if, and if you listen to anyone out there, listen to Penny's podcast from last week, then there's probably a little bit of similarity here. Uh-huh. Um, so we bonded and everything. We did the paternity test. He come, It's a couple of weeks later, the results arrive in. Meanwhile, we're still chatting and we're talking and, you know, all that. And I'm thinking, this guy's fantastic. Yep. We sit down together. We open up a bottle of bubbles. We open up the, the envelope with the DNA results and it was negative. Wow. So you're looking at each other going, we got nothing. Yep, we got nothing. Right. And I was just absolutely devastated. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I just, I thought this was it. I thought I've found this other half of the puzzle. Yes. He's got sons, that'll be great. You know, yep. exciting times ahead. Yep. Um, he was he was Dutch background. I thought, beauty, I've got Dutch ancestry, trip to Amsterdam coming yep. up, you yep. know. Um, yep. I was devastated. And I yeah. thought, 10 years, and I've waited all this time for the wrong man. Yeah. Back to the drawing board, eh? Back to the drawing board. So that was a couple of years ago. And I said to Ron then, you know what, I'm adopting you anyway. Fair enough. And, and he was, he's been terrific about that. He said, I cool. always wanted a, a daughter to go with my son, so there you go. Fair enough. So then I did the next part three, the final part of my, my story. Yes. Um, hopefully everybody's still awake and it's not too boring. I think they're um, still with us 100%. <laughs> <laughs> so part three, which I call the real birth mother, yep. real birth father section. Yep. Um, so eventually I, I did tell Carol, I said, well, I went looking for my father. I found Ron. And, and she said, I could have told you it wasn't him. Oh. <laughs> and I said, well, I'm sorry, but I thought it was him. Anyway, I convinced her. I said to her, look, I really do need to know. I know you said take a shotgun and all of that. And I know yeah. he, dev- he, 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 it's, it's so much negativity, you know, in your life as a result of this man. But I, I need to know for health reasons, if nothing else. 
So she agreed. We agreed to both do ancestry DNA. Right. At this stage. So we, we because I thought if I get all my matches, the ones so, I've got with her, yeah. that I can eliminate the matches with Carol and it means the other matches are the matches to my right. father's father's family. So is there much of a difference between a paternity DNA and the ancestry DNA? Yeah, I think when I did the paternity DNA, I don't think I knew about ancestry DNA. Right. So it was about five years ago and I think it was Ron suggested it. So I just Googled paternity DNA. I mean, in hindsight, we could have mm -hmm. both done ancestry and mm. got the same result. Right. And it would have been a hell of a lot cheaper too. Um, oh. I think I did I did this paternity, father paternity test thing. And it was, I don't know, I think it was 350, 380 bucks or something. Right. Um, and if I'd known about ancestry, um, I, we should have just both done ancestry and paid the ninety nine dollars or whatever and been done with it, and then yeah. I would have been in the ancestry database as well. Right. So, but I think I did this paternity thing. I think ancestry really just became a bit more big in Australia six or twelve months later. Right. Um, I, I just don't think I'd quite. I, I wasn't on to. I wasn't savvy enough on DNA to realise that ancestry was a was a thing. So this time around, I did ancestry yep. um, with with Carol, and so we I got convinced her, bought the kits. We both did the ancestry test, went off to wherever it goes. Six weeks later, we get the results back, and I'm able to eliminate everything that's a match with her, and I know that everything else is biologically my father. Mm -hmm. Look, and you get hundreds of names back. I mean, Lich, have you done? Have you, have no, you had to do no, yours? I've, I've never done it. No. Okay, you get bloody hundreds of names yeah, okay. back and it's a it's a bit daunting really it's a bit like where do you start and a lot of them are third fourth and fifth cousins right um but there was one man i had a match <clears throat> to who was like a third or fourth cousin and he had a really big family tree on there okay and so i contacted him and he so he was a genealogist oh and and he was really he was helpful he'd be really um, handy. and he said sorry what was he'd that he'd be really handy yeah, he was handy. Yeah. So he actually spoke to me on the phone and said, look, this is who I think you belong to. So he's obviously clever with the, the DNA numbers and yep. knew where, I, where, he, where he thought I probably came from. And he said, I think you're the daughter of this man here. And he was one of like seven brothers. Okay. And, but I'm pretty sure it's this one. I said, okay. Um, and then I just thought, okay, I've got the name now. I said to Carol, this is his name. And she said, I don't remember that name. Mm. And I said, oh, okay. So I think she just blocked it out. Yeah. And probably if there's other birth mothers listening in, they may know that feeling where they've just they block, block, block it out. Yeah. Um, so I sat and waited for another year or so with Ancestry, had all these really low-level low matches and whatever. And then because I didn't want to contact anyone until I got a, a, a better match just to be sure, having stuffed up with one birth father i didn't want to risk it again yeah i didn't want to didn't want to make the same mistake so i really just thought i'm going to wait till i get a closer match yeah and then i got a first cousin match oh and yeah and so she looked at me and sort of thought who the hell's this okay <laughs> and i was excited because i thought beauty i've now finally got a, a proper match mm. and i contacted her through ancestry yep um, and I found out from 
from that, we, we were able to tic-tac and then we had a phone date, which was pretty exciting as well. Yeah. It's a bit like being on a first date, really, chatting yeah. to your cousin for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, unfortunately, my birth father um, had died in oh. 20, I think 2017. Right. Yeah, so I was a couple of years too late. Um, and But then I knew from that that, Oh, I went to Cowra because that's where my cousins were. Okay. They lived in Cowra. So I got to meet a couple of other cousins. I went for a trip out to Cowra. Fantastic. Yep. yep. Loved it. Went, met one of the only surviving uncles. Most of the seven uncles, seven of my father's family, most of them have already died. Okay. Um, but one of them still alive and he was fantastic. Um, had a lovely time with him and he's rung me a couple of times. Um, he tried to... From that, we worked out that probably my birth father did know I existed. Okay. Because there was some sort of when when my birth mother made the phone call, when Carol made the phone call to tell him she was pregnant. Yep. It actually wasn't his wife that answered the phone; it was his sister-in-law. Oh. And she ended up telling the father, "Hey, Doug's been a naughty boy." Yeah, doing doing things he shouldn't have. Yep. Um, he's married, and why is he? You know, got this young nurse in Sydney pregnant. Yeah, yeah. And so Doug and I think the father gave Doug a rap over the knuckles and said, "Don't you ever do this again, or I'll be writing you out of the will." Right. So the the father knew. Yep. And Doug must have known, and I think from the that the siblings, his siblings knew. Yep. Because the you know they didn't talk about it, but. No. There, there was rumour that he'd got a nurse pregnant and whatever. Yeah. So there was probably a little bit of knowledge there. And so they weren't entirely surprised when I came on the scene. Yep. Fantastic weekend out there with them. Met that family. And then I got a, a little bit of health history, but they don't really have that much to do with my... I did find out I had a half-brother and a half-sister. Okay. That's cool. Yep. And the cousins don't really... They're not... They don't really have that much to do with them. Um, they right. live in. They don't live in Cowra. They live in interstate, and okay. um, there's not. They're not that close that side of the family. I don't think. Right. Um, and because my my birth father had moved to Queensland, so he'd moved right away and uh, hadn't hadn't had that much to do with his siblings either. So right. I don't have much info really about all. I've been. I've got a bit of information about my birth father, but not not. Um, a, a hell of a lot um, at that point anyway. Come, and the last little bit of my story. Yeah. <laughs> Come, have I, st- have I stopped for breath yet? Sorry. Yeah, no, you keep going. You're going well. <laughs> the last little bit of my story is that I had uh, New Year's Eve this year. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know what, I've got the contact details for my half-brother because I got them from cousins in Canberra. Yes. And from my uncle. Yep. It's the remaining alive uncle. And he, the, the, the remaining uncle, had been urging me to contact my, my half-brother. He's right. been saying to me, you should contact him, you should contact him. Um, and I just thought, oh, maybe he should contact me. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, come New Year's Eve, I thought, I'm not going to let another year go by where I haven't contacted my yeah. half-brother. fair enough. Because I'd, I'd had his name for 18 months, two years or something. I thought, you know what, I'm just going to – so New Year's Eve <laughs> 2021, I just fired off a text to, right. to not to him actually to his wife because the family said the wife is kind of more the the, the kind of more um, social one, right? 
So I contacted the wife and she wrote back to me within an hour or so and said, we have been waiting to hear from you. Wow. That's cool. So, Because been, they'd been told of right. my existence from the uncle. The uncle actually rang them and said, you've got a, said to Brett, you've got a sister. Right. So That would have been a huge sigh of relief for you. Yeah, I was I was really pleased that I got a response that yeah. was positive. Yeah. Um, so here we are in what May, end of May. Yeah. Um, he and Brett and I've had some email exchanges, um, and he's given me as much health history about his dad as he could, mm-hmm. and he knew nothing of my existence, of course, yeah. un- until recently. Yeah. And we we haven't met yet, so okay. that story's still to be told. Yes. Um, but he's given me, as I said, terrific health and medical history. Yep. Um, a bit about where his father lived, and because they did move around quite a bit. Yep. Um, and I think he used to be a federal police officer and all okay. that sort of thing. And um, and I've got a half sister, but I think she's fairly estranged from the family. So right. I'm and and their mother is still alive. So I'm also being very respectful. Of course. Of of that. Mm. Um. And uh, yeah, so it's not over yet. No, well, I guess but it's um, it's it's a it, it, it's a story that keeps on evolving too, isn't it? Yeah, it does. And I would like to meet meet my half brother yep. at some point. Um, and that might be after his mother's passed away, perhaps. Who yep. knows? Yep. I, I don't know. But he's been quite amenable to the idea of having a half sister. Um, I don't know if we've got that much in common. To be honest, we've yep. we've I, one thing I have noticed is we're both night owls. Okay. And we both love movies. Okay. Um, nice. There's been a, a few similarities. Um, yep. We both had public sector careers. Okay. Um, there's a few similarities there. I don't think we look much alike right. at all. And I didn't. I mean, I'm five foot, nearly five foot ten. Mm-hmm. Um, he's five foot seven. Right. And my father was five foot seven. So as for my height, yeah. I don't think I got that from that side. No. Um, but yeah, that's 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 been it. That's pretty much that's where it's at now. It's sort of at that point of well, who do I who do I meet? You know, when when do I meet my half siblings? When and if? Yeah. So mm. I guess when you look back on your story, is there anything that you would change? Um. Yeah, that's a good question, actually. With, uh, I think, look, probably not. I mean, I, pro- I probably, I probably should have been, look, I probably should have been a little bit more wary about connecting with the wrong birth father earlier. Yep. Um, and if I'd read, if I'd heard some of your podcasts <laughs> four four years ago, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> then it might have, I might have been way more way more careful about that yeah. because um, it really does – it's the science that counts in the end. Yeah. It's, it's the DNA. And so definitely – but on the other hand, I've made a great, a great friend out of yeah. it and a great relationship with, with somebody who knew Carol at that time yep. and was part of her life around that time. And it looks like they probably ended their relationship a few months before she fell pregnant with me. Okay. Certainly, most likely the same year. He, he thinks they drifted apart around the January 66, yep. and she would have been hooked up with my father and pregnant with with me by about the July 66. Right. okay. So well, it wasn't much in it, a right. few months. Yeah, but everything happens for a reason, so that's a positive outcome. 
Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And I think definitely being honest with my parents was a good was was yeah. important. Yep. Um uh being honest and and, and open with them. Um the, the obsession, you know, the obsession with Carol for that first six or eight months, I, I don't think I could have changed that. I think no. that was just always going to be the way I'd be. Yeah. Um, and perhaps if I hadn't met her quite as quickly and had a little bit more time building up a relationship before jumping into the whole yeah. let's get together. Because I guess that um, all happened really quickly too, not just the decision to look or accept being found, but... The laws changed quite quickly and it all happened all at once pretty much, didn't it? It did, yeah. So I didn't – there wasn't a lot of time to sit and think about it. Yeah. I, I I just acted right. and I acted quickly. Um, well, I was I guess, impatient. Yeah, I guess that moves into the, my next question, which is if you have an opportunity to talk to different people, which you are now, what advice have you got for – I guess people looking to start a search program, or um, if they're looking for their adoptive, uh, their birth parents, or what? What advice have you got for them? I well, a couple of things. I definitely um, hold a lot of value in using those support networks mm-hmm. that are around, like the Post Adoption Resource Centre in New South Wales. I'm not sure the names of the equivalents in the other other states, mm-hmm. but every state probably has one. So using the support networks, using their, that, that they offer, using their counsel and their wise advice mm-hmm. because they see countless stories, um, taking it slowly is another piece of advice, um, not rushing out and sending a message via Facebook or, mm. or any, you know, and, and all your other podcasters, all the other po- podcasts I've listened to that you've done, Mick, have pretty much said that. Yeah. Don't, don't go and just rock up at their front door and say, hey, I'm your sister yeah. or hey, I'm your daughter. Yeah. You've got to give them time to process it. Absolutely. And yeah. And so definitely, you know, taking it slowly, using the advice of the support networks and definitely use DNA. Yeah. <laughs> don't go on don't go on a name that you randomly think is is your parent because it may not be them. Yeah, I think that's pretty sound advice. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's a great story you've got there, Annette. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Oh, you're welcome. Um, yeah, and unless you've got anything else that you want to add, um, we might just about wrap it all up. Look, I, the only other thing I want to say is thanks for doing this, the Adoption Chronicles, because I, I just think it's fantastic. My pleasure. It's been such a heartwarming journey for me, um, I can say. I, When I started doing this, I was a little bit tentative. I wasn't sure if it was going to be appropriate or not. And, yeah, so far the feedback's been awesome um, and quite positive. And, yeah, so we're not de- – yeah, the, I guess the, the whole premise is just for people to tell their story, no judgment – it's a safe mm. space. So. And I hope at some point you feel comfortable telling your own story because I'd love to hear it. Cool. I think, yeah, once, um, yeah, I, I think we'll get a few more episodes under our belt and um, I'll, yeah, definitely consider it. It's, it's an interesting story in itself, but um, as I've said, and it's pretty well accepted that every single uh, adoption story is unique, uh, mine's definitely yes. unique. Um, 
and yeah, I'll tell it. I'll tell it one day. Yeah, and having your mum as a guest was fantastic, and I love that you did that on Mother's Day. That was yeah, cheers. That terrific. Was, that was really cool of her to do that. Yeah, it was, and she reminded me a bit of my mum. So nice. I, you know, I love that story. Cool. <laughs> No worries. Alrighty. Thanks very much, nice, Annette. Nice talking to you. Likewise. <laughs> and that was Annette Pullman on the Adoption Chronicles. And I'd like to thank her very, very much for her time today. Um, I hope you enjoyed her story. And if you feel that you want to tell your story, you're more than welcome to come onto the show and tell your story, whether you're a birth parent, an adopted child, or even an adoptive parent. Um, We'd love to hear your story. Thank you, and we'll talk to you again next week. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.